All right, if you would take your Bible this morning and turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And I'm going to read the first six verses of John chapter 14. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The title of the message this morning simply parted or pardoned. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word. We thank you that it is the living word of God, that it has power to transform, to change and transform, bring regeneration, new life. And I pray that you just work in our hearts today. May you be glorified. And I pray that the Spirit of God would have His will and His way in each heart and life. And I pray there be any in our midst this morning who have never been born again, never received this new life from God. I pray that the Spirit of God would just bring conviction and repentance. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is really part of Jesus' last message to His disciples before He departs out of this world. And it kind of reminds us of the uncertainty of life. You know, in, in John chapter 13, in verse 1, he tells them, Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. So he, he tells them that he's about to depart out of this world. And, you know, Paul told wrote Timothy, who was his son in the faith, in 2 Timothy 4, 6, also telling him about his departure, said, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. You know, there will be a time for all of us, at some point, to leave this, this world, to leave this life. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews nine twenty seven, And as it is appointed unto men wants to die, and after this, a judgment. The word appointed there means there's laid up. There's a day set that we will depart this world. We will leave this life as we know it. Of course, this is all brought about by the curse of sin. We call this, we, we call this death. And uh, you know, most people don't like to talk about death, don't like to think about death. But death is a reality of this life. It's something that's going to happen to all of us. It, of course, is brought upon the human race by sin. The Lord told, God told Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, that the day they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now, death, in the Bible, death simply means separation. It's a separation. It does not mean that we are annihilated. Of course, uh, 
you know, some people teach that the dead are going to be annihilated, but that's not in the Bible. Uh, it simply means a separation. And, you know, for example, in Luke chapter 16, in, in the account of the rich man Lazarus, the Bible says that in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. He had died, but he was still living. In hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. He did not cease to exist. Uh, Adam and Eve, you know, God told Adam and Eve, they, they eat there, they will surely die. They did not cease to exist. They were just separated from God. So death is separation. Of course, we see this also in, in Revelation chapter 20, in verse 11. Revelation 20 and verse 11 where it says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. Now, the beast and the false prophet, the beast is the Antichrist, the false prophet was the, the, uh, uh, is the, the, one, the worship leader of the tribulation period who will direct all worship to the Antichrist. And these are men energized by the devil, and they have been cast in the lake of fire. They were cast in the lake of fire a thousand years prior to what we're reading. And it says they are there. So they've been, they've been in the lake of fire a thousand years, and they're still there. See, death is not annihilation, but it is appointed unto us. We will all die, but death is not annihilation. It's simply a separation. Now, if you are not saved, for a lost person, you're already separated from God. You're already separated from God. In John chapter 13, we have an example of this in verses 21 through 27. Of course, Jesus is, is uh, speaking to his disciples. And it says, when Jesus had said this in John 13, 21, Jesus had said thus, thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubt of whom we spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, whose Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. No man at the table knew what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, and that Jesus said unto him, Buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went out immediately out, and it was night. Uh, and so we see here that in the midst, you know, Judas is, of course, one who had traveled with Jesus and his disciples. He had, he had taught. Uh, he had... Uh, he was sent out by two and two with the, with the other disciples, and they, I'm sure he took, he took part in the ministry. Uh, and, you know, here he is present at the Passover, and, and Jesus identifies him as one who is not with me. He's not with me. You see, you know, John talked about those in 1 John, that they went out from us because they were not all of us. Judas was president present in body. 
but he was separated in his heart. He was separated in his heart. In John chapter 6 and verse 7, 70, Jesus, speaking of Judas, said this, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? You know, Judas walked, talked, saw the mighty works that Jesus did, and yet he would not trust him as his own Lord and as his own Savior. You know, it's possible that you may be here in heart, or you may be here in, in, in person, but not in heart. You may be here just because you have to be, or because you want to, or you like the people here. But you're unwilling to admit you don't have a real relationship with the Lord. In John chapter 3, in verse 18, John 3.18, this is this is described Judas. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see, Judas, though he was he uh, worked with, walked with, talked with, listened to, heard Jesus teach, saw the miracles he did, really didn't believe on him as the Messiah. He was an opportunist. You know, how would, you know, there, was, there was some great attraction physically to being with Jesus. I mean, look at all the things he did, the miracles that he performed. Everybody was talking about him. Now, not everybody liked him, but everybody was talking about him. He was popular. He was also hated. But you know, a lot of people follow religion as an opportunity. Just turn on TV and watch TV and evangelists. They're opportunists. I was watching some video clips with different TV evangelists, Paula, Paula White Kane, her, is name, her name is now, since she's married a third time. Uh, she said when she's on a plane sometimes, and she said, I don't know why, it's just maybe the mood I'm in, and people ask me what I do. She said, well, she said, uh, sometimes I tell them I'm, pre- I'm a preacher. But other times I just tell them, well, I'm just a uh, motivational speaker. Yeah, that's all very, that's, that's the truth. Really, that's the truth. That's all she is. In fact, there's another video, her and Larry Hutch having a discussion. And this is what they said. Jesus is not the only begotten Son of God. We're all sons of God. He's just the first fruits. He's the first fruit. He's the firstborn. That means we're also sons of God too. We are we are sons of God, but we're not in the sons of God in the same sense that Jesus is the Son of God. The only begotten means he is the unique one. He was the God man. You see, 
there are those that go along with. You know, you could be here this morning and you could be just going along with. Verse 36, John 3 again says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. If you're not saved this morning, if you haven't repented of your sin, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're already separated from God. You're already condemned before God. The only thing between you and the lake of fire is a vapor, your life, your life now. But I want you to notice also, if you are saved, you cannot be separated. Notice verse 6 of John 14. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but my me, by me. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Now when we're talking about, when Jesus said, I am life, we're talking about eternal life. Never-ending life. Yeah, God is the God of life. He's the giver of life. And we're talking here about eternal life. John 10, 28, I've given them eternal life, and they shall never perish. So, if we have eternal life, yeah, that life is forever. Uh, it, is, it is unending. And, of course, this, Jesus is speaking this in the midst of the, you know, the disciples are troubled. You know, there was a, it's, you know it's, it was a turbulent world for them at this time. Uh, they were troubled, there was dissent, there was division, there was, there was the, uh, this cause of unrest, of course, with Judas going out. Of course, the disciples earlier had been arguing about who was going to be the greatest and all these things. And, 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 so, you know, and, and of course, Jesus points out that one's going to betray him. Uh, and, 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 of course, they'd gone back to Jerusalem, where their Lord and Master was hated, and where... They are laying in wait for him. And so, Jesus says here that I am the way, the truth, and the life. If we have life, we have past death. We're beyond death. John, John, John 5.24 says, that we have passed from death unto life. You know, Colossians chapter, there's some interesting verses in Colossians. Turn over there for just a minute. Colossians chapter 1. And verse 13 says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, that would be death, hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Drop down to verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things in the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. 
when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. You see, we can't be separated because he is our life. When Jesus came to Mary and Martha after the death of Lazarus, and of course Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. In verse 25 and 26 of John 11, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you shall never die. No. You say, well, preacher, that's a little bit confusing. You said all of us are going to die. Yeah, we're all going to die. We're, going, we're all going to be, we're all going to leave this life. But death is separation, and death is being separated from God. If we've been given the life of God, we can never be separated from God. Death is just a vehicle to get us from this life to the next one. You know, I may leave this life, but I won't leave him. You know, 1 Peter 1.5 says we are kept by the power of God. And who is it that has greater power than God? You know, in Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, in Romans chapter 8, And verse 35 says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And we could say, you know, again, the word death means separation. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death that's, that's referring to the leaving of this life, nor life, nor angels, you know, anything that happens in this life, whatever life brings us, cannot separate us from God. Nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, if we are saved, you cannot be separated from God, because it is He that is our life. And as Paul wrote to the church at Colossae, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul, writing to young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12 said this, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able Keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. See, Christ is our life. And Christ is God. Christ is God. So who can take us, our life from us, if our life is in Christ? 
for He is God. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 10, uh, No man shall, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father's gave them me as greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So we are in Christ. So our life can't be taken away from us. And so, if you're in Christ, you have life, eternal life. If you're without Christ, you're already separated from God and under condemnation and under the wrath of God. And so, we we see the the departure, talks about the departure. And then let's notice also the description of the Father's house in verse 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Of course, if we think about what the Lord has gone to prepare for us, he describes it as mansions. A mansion is a place of beauty, of splendor, of, of, uh, of uh, you know, we would think of expensive, uh, lavish furnishings. Uh, and of course, Revelation chapter 21 describes this place. As a place of no sin, no sorrow, and no death. Again, no separation. Because it's a place that God is preparing for us. And God is life. There be no death there. Paul describes it in Philippians chapter 3. This is this way. In Philippians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21. He says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body. So, you know, the idea here is we are going to be separated from this body. This body is going to be changed, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. And so Christ has conquered death for us once and for all, and he's going to change our vile bodies, this body of flesh. We're going to leave it, but we're not going to leave him. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, this mortal shall put on immortality, then it shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, O death is, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory, through the Lord Jesus Christ. So, again, this body is going to be changed and made like into his glorious body. This corruptible will put on incorruption. And this mortal will put on immortality, that which does not die. Does not die. And, of course, death is swallowed up in victory. That's the life that God gives to us. But how do we get there? How do we get that? Well, notice the directions to the Father's house. Verse 6, John, John, or John 14, 5 and 6 again. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, 
We know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know, many, many people have different ideas about how to attain life everlasting. You know, almost all people want it. They want some kind of life. They want to be assured that they have life everlasting. That they're taken care of. They may not call it life everlasting, but they're, but they're taken care of after this life. But the sad thing is, most don't take time or effort to figure out or come to a certainty how to get it. You know, Hebrews 11.6 says this, Without faith is it impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know, that tells me that we, he says there that diligently seek him, we have to have some interest or be concerned about, concerned enough about what's going to happen to us. What is life all about? Where are we going? Now, you know, the amusing thing to me is, and I find this rather amusing because I think it's a paradox, that many people are really concerned about having life insurance. But what's life insurance for? I don't know why they don't call it death insurance. Yeah, they probably wouldn't sell as much of it if they called it death insurance. Because it's for when you die. What's going to happen to your stuff after you're dead, after you leave this world? You know, people are really concerned about that. But many times they're not really that concerned, as concerned about what happens to me after I leave this world. I think there's a reason for that. You know, Jesus said it in John chapter 3, they won't come to the light lest their deeds will be proved. But be that as it may, Jesus said here in John chapter 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The word way really means, it's, it's sort of like a path or a road. First, like a path or a road. Jesus, or Jesus saying, I am the path, I am the way, or I am the road that leads to the Father. I'm like the road that leads to the Father. You know, a lot of people, talk, they used to talk about how all roads led to Rome in the Roman Empire. And they did. Rome, Rome had, a, had a system of highways that led. And, of course, that's one of the things they built was roads. And, of course, that's why they could conquer vast areas. They could move very quickly because of their, their roads. And, so, and all those roads led back to Rome. And so a lot of people have this idea that all religions... All roads of, or, or ways of worship lead to God. Again, if you listen, listen to TV evangelists, that's what you get from many of them. That's not what the Bible says. It's not what the Bible teaches. No, Jesus said, I am the way. 
In other words, I'm the only way. I'm the only way. He told Mary, or Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. In John chapter 10, he said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. By me, I am the door. Here in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the light. In the, in the, in the book of Acts, in Acts 4.12, the disciples told the Sanhedrin, Neither is there a salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And Paul, writing to Timothy, 1 Timothy 2.5, says, There is one God and one mere between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And John, in his epistles, in 1 John 5.12, says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. You see, the Bible is very clear that Jesus is the only way or the only road that leads to the Father, to God. Not Mary, not your good works, not baptism, not giving, not sacrificing your life for a good cause, or Allah, or any other way. No, it's through Jesus. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the truth. If we want to come, if we want to have eternal life, we have to acknowledge the truth. You know, this was, when I was doing that Bible study, this was really brought home to me. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verses uh, 24 and 25, 2 Timothy 2, Verse 24 and 25, it says this, In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. You see, if we're going to uh, have eternal life, if we're going to come to God through Christ uh, in salvation, there has to be an acknowledging, a willingness to acknowledge the truth. Notice it says, peradventure will give them repentance. That no, the repentance has the idea, I have to change my mind and my thinking and acknowledge that God is right, God is true. What Jesus said is the truth. I have to believe that and throw out my false ideas. If I'm going to be recovered from the snare of the devil... You see, the thief cometh not for, but for steal, to kill, and destroy. He, and he has them, the world snared. They are captive by him at his will. And if we want deliverance from the devil, we have to acknowledge the truth. That Jesus is the truth. You know, Paul, I think it was before King Agrippa or Festus, one of them said, you know, I speak the words of truth and soberness. So there has to be an acknowledging of the truth. 
acceptance of the way. And then he describes it again. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Notice each one, he has that, uh, in Greek called a participle preceding it, identifying it as the only way, the way, the truth, and the life. Again, he is our life. He that hath the Son of God hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. You see, it really is quite simple. But it requires that you reject every other way. It requires that you repent. You're willing to acknowledge the truth that you are a sinner, that you are condemned before God, and justly so, and are willing to turn away from your sin and put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only hope of salvation. You know, we have to reject any goodness in us to save ourselves. I was reading an account of a man who had witnessed to a lady, and the lady was a professing preacher. He witnessed to her on a plane, and he began to use the Ten Commandments to show, and she says, well, yeah, I know I'm a sinner, but I'm... I'm, I'm a really pretty, I'm, but I am really a pretty good person. And he said, I just kind of ended it right there because she still was justifying herself. She still was justifying herself. No, we have to acknowledge the truth that we are lost and that we're without hope and we need a Savior. You were all going to part this life sometime. We don't know when. We don't know when that's going to happen. But you know, a wise person makes preparation. A wise person makes preparation. In Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. In verse 34, it says this. Luke 21, 34. And take heed yourselves, lest at tiny time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, so that day come upon you unawares. And what the day he's talking about is the coming of the Lord. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. You see, God is warning, the Lord's warning us here, look, don't get caught away with the cares and the pursuits of this life and forget about the day of your departure. 
See, a lot of people are caught up with the things of this world, and they don't want to think about it. Someday I'm going to leave it. I had a man tell me some years ago, well, I guess when I die, I'll worry about it then. I said, it's going to be too late then. Now is the day of opportunity. Now is the day of salvation. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. Thou knowest not what they born, and that they may bring forth. And that's what Jesus is warning us here. You know, don't be overtaken with the cares of this life so that this day come upon you unawares, unprepared. So the question I leave you with this morning is this. Are you prepared for the day of your departure? I know we don't like to talk about those things, but it's the reality of life. We're all going to have to face it. But we can face it with assurance and confidence if we are in Christ, who is our life. So are you in him today? Do you have that assurance and that confidence?